So I want to just explain a little about tonight. It is on apologetics. It's, it's a very different service. We'll do one song right at 6 o'clock, and then I need to get into it. I will talk for about an hour, and then we'll open it up for questions and answers. It may not go the full hour and a half. Here is the difficulty. The, it's on the census. The most attacked passage in the entire New Testament is Luke chapter 2, 1 through 4. There's a great answer that explains the census and when it was and how it happened. It's, an, it's, it's right there in history. But to get to it, I have to explain the source of the problem that has developed which is very complicated, and you can't, you can't fully understand without knowing how the problem developed, why the problem is there, and then you can resolve the solution. And so if you want to come tonight, you're going to learn a lot about Jewish history and what was going on at that time, and, and, uh, but it does start right at 6. We'll sing one song, and then we will get right into it, and... Tonight, the census. All right. Would you mind standing with me in honor of God's word? Two passages. The first is in Galatians chapter 4. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also has made you also an heir. And then Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. 
Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. For he has been mindful of the humble estate of his servant. From now on, I will be, I will on all generations, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Sorry about that. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, we're always in danger when a story is familiar to us. Please break through our mindset. Break through how we've always understood things and speak and bring revelation of what you want to speak to every heart here. And we will give you the praise for every good thing that happens in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So we've called this series His Story. And the idea, we talked about it a little last week, it's, it's Galatians 4.4 4 says that at just the right time, at the set time, at the proper time, in the fullness of time, it's the word kairos. It means God's time. That God breaks into our time, our history, and makes it his story. And so last week we talked about uh, the preparation and how at just the right time that God prepared the human race for Jesus. Today we're talking about the pregnancy. To understand Christmas, to understand what this is all about, we have to begin by talking about the eternal son before the pregnancy. Here's this morning's one-year Bible reading from Micah 5, chapter verse 4. But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. So this is 700 years before Christ. And what it says is that Messiah... Is going to, he's going to come. He's going to be born on this earth, but he predates the earth. He is coming, although he's breaking into time, he exists before time. You can't understand what Christmas is until you grasp this. John the Baptist, the one that prepared the way, said this about Jesus. Uh, John 1.15, John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. John came into existence at his conception in Elizabeth's womb. Six months before Jesus was born. But John says, even though he was born after me, he existed long before me. Jesus himself says to the Pharisees, the Pharisees in John 8 are questioning who he thinks he is. He says, they, say, they ask him, do you think you're greater than Abraham, our forefather? And here's what Jesus says. Before Abraham was, I am. And they picked up stones. Because he's claiming to be the God of the Old Testament. He's claiming to be the I am. To understand Christmas, you have to understand that Jesus 
came from heaven to be born on this earth. Hebrews 1, verse 6. And when he brought his supreme son into the world, God said, let all of God's angels worship him. So God gives a command. When he's bringing the son into the world, that, that is the birth, let all the angels worship him. Now, I want you to see this whole story from a different angle. We are so used to thinking as human beings on this side. Go to the other side. Go to the, and the, the, what was in the angels' minds. The angels have worshipped the Son, the Supreme Son, for millions of years since their existence. They have worked. Jesus has, the Son has been the middle of heaven. And one day they wake up and he's not there. And they start talking to each other. Where is he? Where is he? Where's the one we worship? I'm, I'm in the mood to worship. Where is he? And the angels, the lower rank angels get together and they decide they, they appoint a representative. We need somebody to go to Gabriel. You don't like to bother Gabriel? Uninvited? But somebody's got to talk to him and find out what's going on. So somebody goes to his office. Come in. Uh, Gabriel, sir. Um, so, some of the angels have been, have been wondering, and I was sent here to ask, um, where's the sun? Where's the one that we have worshipped for millions of years? And Gabriel's like, oh, that. Uh, well, let me tell you, um, right now he is in the womb of a Jewish girl. Oh, uh, 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 come again. Come again. What did, what did you just say? Yeah, yeah. The one that you've been worshiping for millions of years, he is now in the womb of a, of a, of a Jewish girl, and he's going to be there for nine months. But God has given a command. The Father has said this to all of the angels. When he is born into the world, you can all be there to worship him. Folks, it was not just Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus in that stable. The angels were given permission. So the angel says, okay, so let me, let me just make sure that I'm understanding you. So the majestic supreme son who has ruled in tremendous light and glory for all of you. He is like one and the same as this baby that's going to pop out of this virgin's womb. Is, am I hearing you right? <laughs> that we're going to worship that baby, and that's the same one that we've been worshiping for millions of years. Is that, is that, is that right, sir? That's exactly Right. The wonder of Christmas. It's not just earth's wonder. It's heaven's wonder. Let's think for just a moment on Mary's pregnancy. First, the inconvenience of this pregnancy. She's a young Jewish girl. It's a very exciting time for her. She is now betrothed. She is engaged. Her, her life is, is going in the right direction. 
And it is interrupted by this angel who says, you are the, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you and you're going to bear God's son even though you're a virgin. Look at the opinion of her betrothed, Joseph. Matthew chapter 1 tells his story. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph or betrothed. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Can you picture this meeting? She's, she's explaining to Joseph that an angel has appeared to her and that she is pregnant, but she hasn't had sex. And Joseph, who has also been looking forward to their marriage, thinks he's married to a crazy woman. But she means well. She's sincere. He doesn't want to embarrass her. He doesn't want to humiliate her. But his heart is broken because what she's asking him to believe is too much for any man to believe. He's a righteous man. He's a good man. And she has broken his heart. He cannot, he can't believe it. And she sees it. She sees the disappointment and she sees the unbelief in his eyes. The inconvenience. Joseph later receives a revelation that this is this is this is this is what happened, and call him Jesus, and and so they get they do get married, and and they have the baby in Bethlehem, and and then they 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 get him dedicated at the temple, and then they go back to Nazareth. They're planning on living in Nazareth, but we don't know exactly what happened, but we do know this. A year later, they move back to Bethlehem. They rent a house. The wise men actually come to a rented house. They are not at the stable. They come to this rented house. Why did they move from, from Nazareth back to Bethlehem? We don't know for sure, but I can sure imagine it. Nazareth at that time is a village of about 300 people. She has had a baby out of wedlock. This is an extremely religious community. She has told people, and Joseph is now backing her story, that, that this was a supernatural pregnancy. It's too much. It's too much for anybody to believe. They, they, at some point, they decide this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. We, need to, we just need to move. It's very inconvenient. People don't understand so first, the inconvenience of the pregnancy. Then I want you to think about the encouragement of the pregnancy. So she packs her bags and she goes to Elizabeth in the midst of no one understanding, no one being able to grasp her own betrothed does, is, is planning to divorce her. She goes to this one woman who has also had a supernatural encounter with God. Can you imagine what Elizabeth's words meant to Mary. She feels like there's no one in the world that can understand her. And Elizabeth says, 
I understand what's happened and I affirm what has happened. I feel joy. I, I bless you. I, I, I release favor over you. I am. And can you imagine what that meant to Mary to have someone on earth affirming her experience? Somebody that understood heaven's culture was amidst earth and it wasn't just what earth was doing but heaven was doing something we can only imagine the encouragement that she received from that and then finally the privilege in my humble estate one translation says you have remembered me in my lowly estate You have had mercy on me. It is an incredible privilege to have a part in God's salvation, to hold the very Son of God in my womb, to participate in the salvation of the whole world. And she says this, generations to come will call me blessed. This generation may not understand me too well. This, this generation may accuse me of all kinds of things, but the, when the history books of heaven are opened, the generations to come will look at this rightly and say, wow, God used a maiden girl like me. Okay, so point three, last point. It's moving fast today, isn't it? Is our pregnancy. It's not enough to understand who Jesus was before he came to earth to fully embrace the good news of great joy. We have to see the bigger purpose. Why did God at just the right time come into history, born of a woman, born under the law? Listen, verses 5 through 7 of Galatians 4, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. The reason why Jesus was born was to redeem you and me. To redeem something is to take something that is broken, something that is, has been ruined, and to restore it to its original purpose, to the original intent of why it was made. That is redemption. He came... He was born so that we could be born again. So that we, the son came into the world so that we could become the sons of God. So that he could redeem what had happened to us and restore his original purpose in creating us. So I want you to think for just a moment about the inconvenience of our pregnancy. When we become 
born again. When the Holy Spirit overshadows us and we get what we call saved. My sister Katie, she, she lives in Virginia, but her and a couple friends are doing this podcast called She Speaks, and it's, it's women's testimonies, and they've interviewed all kinds of women of all kinds, of, and it's, it's testimonies about Christ and how they came to Christ. And anyway, a month ago, they were doing this tour where they were doing stories around the country in coffee shops and recording them in different coffee shops, and they came to McFarland because there's a group of listeners here, mainly family members. Um, anyway, they came, and uh, and I was the first man that they had on there, because, because Katie, as one of the founders of this, they wanted to hear the whole story. And I was reminded of what the whole story was. So I became a Christian, gave my heart to Christ, was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit in 1981. And Everybody in my family thought I was in a cult. We had never seen anything like that. We had never personally experienced this. We knew there were Jesus freaks out there, but we had never had somebody in our acquaintance have a conversion, and there was no grid for it. Well, my best friend uh, was my sister Katie. Katie is the middle girl. I'm the middle boy. And we always, we drank together. We would stay up all night at Perkins, pouring out our hearts to each other. We hung around each other, even though she's five years older than me. And Katie was teaching uh, at Guantanamo Bay in Cuba. She was uh, a teacher, and she had done this overseas teaching for uh, for our for the children of our troops and and uh, so everybody started writing letters you, we, there was no email then everybody in our family wrote Katie a letter cuz she was coming back for christmas in 1981 and the letter from everybody said the same thing you got to talk to Tommy you got you got to talk Tommy Tommy's weird Something, something has happened to Tommy, and none of us can talk to him. And so you need, you need to have a talk with Tommy. So, so she comes back, and um, and she's like, Tommy, we have to talk. And so we do, we do an all nighter. And she's trying to talk me down. She's trying to say, you know, I'm a Christian too. We're all Christians. Everybody's a Christian. And and then we get into it, and she's she. I tell her the full extent of what has happened to me, and she starts crying. And she says, I, I, I have lost. You've given your life away. You'll never be who you were before. And she just, she wept. She went back to Guantanamo Bay, and, and it was kind of like a, like a parting 1 Corinthians 2.14, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. It's not that people are evil or that they hate you, but they just, they have no grid 
There's no grid for heaven's culture to break in to human culture. We're very used to just, it's just what man is doing and what man, and the changes man can make and the, the adjustments and you can make a New Year's resolution. But the idea of heaven coming down, overshadowing somebody and converting them, that, that's really difficult for the natural man. People tend to be very suspicious of human nature. And the idea that that's actually God and not just manipulation of religion or a season or a fad, it's very hard for the natural man to engage with, with what heaven is doing. And, and so when God does overshadow us, it's a very vulnerable time for us. Listen to Mark 4, 16 and 17. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. When the word of God comes and we receive the word of God, there is a test up front of persecution. There is a test of will you live for human culture and to please people or will you live to please God? And if you make it to heaven, it will be because you made a choice to please God instead of man. Because you can't have it both ways. You you try. For a season, you try, you try to, I want heaven, I want Jesus, and I don't want anybody to think I'm weird. And so we're trying to keep both going, and the Lord waits. you got to make a decision. you got to decide. Do you have enough backbone, enough root in yourself to say, I don't care what you think, I'm God's now. It's very vulnerable, and God allows. God is all about us choosing him, and we're going to have to choose him, not just up front, but in the face of man's culture, the inconvenience of people not liking you, not accepting you, not inviting you the way they used to, maybe even firing you because they don't like what you have become. That's all part of this. It's part of our pregnancy. And then secondly, the encouragement. Because of this, every believer needs to be strengthened. Every believer needs someone to come alongside them and encourage them. Somebody on earth. And Elizabeth on earth to speak, you're not weird. This is what God does. I had something like this happen to me. And we need the encouragement of one another. This is how God Set it up. David is in the wilderness. He was anointed king, but now he's being chased by the present king Saul. And it's a time of confusion. It's a time of of loneliness. And his best friend, Jonathan, comes out into the wilderness and speaks into his life and says, Truly, you will be the next king of Israel. What did those words mean to David? To have his friend come, his friend who was in line, Saul's son, come and say, no, no, God's purpose is that you are the next king. We can only imagine the encouragement that he received. 
Naomi had actually changed her name to Mara, which means bitter. She was sure God was against her. She was sure every, every bad thing had happened. She lost her husband. She lost both of her sons. She was sure God was against her. She changed her name to bitter. And then a friend came alongside named Ruth. And, and she said, Ruth, please go home. You don't want to be with me. You don't, you, you know, I don't have any more sons that you can marry. And Ruth said, wherever you go, I'm going. Your God is my God. I am going to stay by your side. I am on assignment to be your friend. And Ruth's friendship healed Naomi. Esther had resigned to her own powerlessness. She found out that there was a plan to wipe out all the Jewish people. And she wrote back to Mordecai, her uncle, and said, this is horrible. This is really bad. And I wish I could do something, but you can't go to the king unless he invites you. So, sorry. And Mordecai writes back. And he says, Esther, God's going to save the Jewish people. One way or another. Whatever you do, the whole plan of God is not resting on you. But he said this, I want you to consider this, Esther, that it is for such a time as this that you were brought into this position, that this was God's plan all along, that he wants you to participate right now. And he, he calls her up to her destiny. And she sends the message back, tell him to pray and fast, get everybody you know to pray and fast, and I'm going to go into the king, and if I perish, I perish. But I'm going to obey God. Oh, guys, guys, every Esther needs a Mordecai. There isn't a book of Esther if there's not a Mordecai to encourage. Every one of us needs that encouragement from someone else. So here's what happened with Katie. So she leaves... After Christmas, she goes back to Guantanamo Bay. I'm heartbroken. She's heartbroken. We, we're not on the same page anymore. We had been just kindred spirits and, until Valentine's Day. I get, back, I get a letter on Valentine's Day. She said, Tommy, I came back. This guy had been wanting to date me, and I went out with him, and one thing led to another. I poured out the whole story of what happened. And he told me, he said, Katie, everything that Tom has happened to Tommy has also happened to me. <laughs> this, this is the gospel. This is the true gospel. We have to give our lives to Christ. And so she says in this letter, she says, I now have given my life to Christ. I now, I now am his. I now, I now know heaven's activity. And do you know what's happened so that's, your, you know, however, don't even tell me how many years. It's a lot of years ago. <laughs> but Katie and I have been partners in our whole extended family for all of these years. God, in his goodness, gave me a partner so that we're not fighting this battle alone. And I just want to encourage every single one of us. God has an Elizabeth for you. He's got somebody to walk beside. You probably know that person right now or several people that are that. But he also wants you to be Elizabeth to someone else. This is how God has set it up. Listen to Hebrews chapter 10. 
let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Because we need to continue to choose Jesus. We need to continue to go against the grain of culture. We need people that we're walking with that will encourage us, that will stir us up, that will strengthen us. This, if we're going to make it as the day draws nearer, we need to meet together. We need to embrace the humility that we need each other. We need Jesus and we need each other. And, and we're all going to finish strong. And I'm just, I just really want to encourage you to be, it's awesome that you're here this morning. I hope this morning encourages you in your faith. I hope it lifts you up. I hope it breaks a little of earth's culture, but you need, you need a smaller group. You need friends. You need one of these connect groups or, or come to prayer meeting on Tuesday nights or get into one of these small, there's a men's prayer meeting and a women's prayer meeting. And there's, there's all kinds of groups that meet around this church. We need to be encouraged and we need to encourage others. We need, this is how the body of Christ works. And then finally, the privilege, the privilege of our pregnancy. First, Jesus chose to redeem. John chapter 10, verse 18 no one takes it from me. Speaking, he's speaking of his life. No one takes my life from me. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. In eternity, you need to, we, we all need to see this. Even though the Father planned redemption, part of the plan was Jesus had to be free in choosing it. The Father did not take his life from him. The Father gave this command, you're going to choose whether you want to redeem or not. I'm not going to make you redeem. You have to choose it. A few years ago, our 2003 VW Passat had an, had a problem overheating and I took it into our mechanic and he told me that the problem was solved and it ended up being very easy and uh I was ecstatic and and so I drive off and I'm 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 it's a, it's a trip about an hour away I'm an hour away and it starts overheating again and it's going all the way into the, to the red area. That's really, really bad when, whenever your gauge gets into the red area. And so I pull over, and uh, I open up the hood, and there's smoke coming. How, how many know smoke is bad with cars? If there's, I mean, if smoke's coming out of your muffler, that's fine, but not out of your engine. That's bad. And, uh, and so we had it. I had to have it towed to a mechanic there, and the mechanic looked at it. And he said, uh, he said, let me just, he said, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I will not even work on this. This engine is destroyed. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? So then I have to have somebody else tow it 
all the way from an hour away back to our mechanic. Told him what the other mechanic said, and he looks at it, and he, uh, I, I come in, and he, they were very gracious. He said, that's, he, he said, it's our mistake. He said, let me explain what happened. He said, I've done some work on this thing now, and uh, what happens is this specific model has a pan underneath the engine, and the waste from the engine accumulates in it, and it, 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 the, the problem was is when, when we were idling the engine, we let it idle for a long time, it looked like it was fine. But when you drive it, the waste goes back up into the engine, and it, that's why the engine was destroyed. And he said, uh, we told you it was repaired, and, and it wasn't. I, I didn't even understand the problem until I looked more into it. And so, so, so this is our bad. And he said, he said you, got, you got one of two options. He said, I can write you a check right now for $2,000, which is the book value of a 2003 VW Passat. He said, or, he said, I see a lot of value still in this car. The seats are nice. The, everything else about this car, it's just a very well-maintained car. Or, you could write me a check for a new engine. He said, at my cost, it would be a very discounted price. And I would do all of the labor. I would oversee all of the labor, and we would put it all back into you. We, we would do it for free. And you know what? It would have been really easy to just take that $2,000 check and start over. It just would have been easy to start over. But I, I like I like older cars. And this was a very special older car because it was given to us by, our, by my father-in-law, and I didn't want to start over. I wanted to redeem, even though it was going to cost me something. We still have that Passat today. Friends, you can't understand Christmas unless we understand this. Jesus didn't have to redeem. He could have started over. It would have been the easiest thing in the world with the human race to just say that group didn't, they, it didn't work. Get rid of that group and let's start something new. But he chose. He saw value in us. Even though we were broken, even though we were ruined for our original purpose, he saw value in us. It says that he loved us while we were still sinners. We, we got ruined inside. The waste of sin ruined us. And he decided to redeem, even though it was going to be very costly. To redeem, he was going to have to become one of us, and he was going to have to pay for our sins himself. That's why he came. Did you know that his name was not Jesus in eternity? His name was the Son. He didn't get the name Jesus till he came to earth. He told Joseph why. He said, you are going to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus means Savior. 
Even though he's creator, he's not savior unless he becomes a human being. He can't save us if he doesn't become a human being. Human beings had sinned. Only a human being can take the punishment for sin and fulfill the law for us on our behalf and become a sacrifice in our place. And he became, because he chose to pay the ultimate price, he became Jesus, the sweetest name you'll ever know, the Savior of the world. Redemption. It says in Galatians 5 that he redeemed us. I'm just going to read it. That we, he, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So the same Holy Spirit that overshadowed Mary and conceived the Son of God, brought the Son of God from heaven to earth and put the Son of God in this womb, we don't have any grasp of that. That same Holy Spirit is here today. Our problem, the reason why we needed redemption, it's a very serious problem. We needed a whole new engine. The whole thing had to be replaced. And so the Holy Spirit came. Here's what it says in John chapter 1, verses 11 through 13. He came to that which is his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Jesus came to this earth so that he could die so that he could be born again in you and me. So that the same Holy Spirit that brought his conception would bring our conception. This is the full story. His story. To, to be completed, it can't be completed without you. It's not just what he did. It's what he wants to do in you and me. Remember the song, Joy to the World? Let every heart prepare him room. He says in Revelation 3, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. To be saved, we must receive Christ. We must allow him to come in. We must allow the Holy Spirit to make Jesus real inside of us. This is the great privilege, the greatest privilege of the human race. Mary said, you have in my lowly estate, you have favored me by making me part of your salvation. 
Romans 8, 5, verse 8 again. God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were in a very lowly estate. We had sinned against God. We were broken on the inside. And in that lowly estate, God has favored you. How? He's demonstrated his love by dying for you on the cross. He's gone beyond that by pouring out the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit right now is brooding even in this place. Saying, I want the same Jesus that was born then. I want him to be born again in you. And I want to make you part of my salvation in all the world. Could we bow our heads, close our eyes, the worship team can come. Christianity is not following a bunch of rules and it's not believing a bunch of doctrines. Christianity is receiving a person. It is letting heaven invade earth. It requires us to open up our hearts to his working, to acknowledge his working, and to open up our hearts to them. Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If Jesus is knocking on your heart today, you may not have any words for this or any grid for this, but you know that right now something's happening to you that's not just man-made. It's not just the speaker. Something is happening to you. The Holy Spirit is knocking on your life. You can own that sin has broken you, that sin has Something's not working right inside of you. Oh, that's God trying to get your attention. And today, you want to open your heart and say, Jesus, please come in and save me. Come in and redeem me. Holy Spirit, come and do your wonderful work in me. If that is you, I've got every head bowed because this is between you and God. I have people raise their hands because I like to, to pray with people to open that door because somebody helped me do that. So if that's you, would you just raise your hand real high right now long enough for me to see it? And we're going we're gonna to have that prayer. I see that hand. God bless you. I see that hand. Thanks, bro. I see this hand here. Thank you, bro. God bless you. I see this hand over here. Thank you, ma'am. You can put those hands down. Anybody else by upraised hand? Anybody else? We're going to pray in just a moment here. I got you. God bless you. God bless you. I'd like everybody that raised their hand, if you would just put your hand on your heart right now and just pray something like this to the Lord. Lord, I am acknowledging that heaven is in this place and heaven is doing something, maybe has been doing it for a long, long time in me. And Lord, I am here today to choose you, to open up my heart and say, Jesus, come in and forgive my sins and heal my brokenness and make me who you want me to be. I receive this gift of eternal life, this gift of adoption, where I become your child, not just for time, but for all eternity. Lord, come and save me today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Could we stand together?
Here's the second call. Every one of us needs an Elizabeth, and every one of us needs to be an Elizabeth to somebody else. And I'm just, would you just mind opening your arms if you are already a believer, if you're, if you're okay with this? Just open your arms. I want to pray for you. Lord, we, we need people speaking into our destiny. We need people calling us up to say, for such a time as this, you can do this. I'll pray for you. I'll fast for you. We, we need people to come into our bitterness and our disappointment and, and say, I'm going to be your friend and I'm going to stay by you and I'm, I'm going to be with you. And, and God, we need that. We need that, that one to come out into the wilderness and speak to us our own destiny. Lord, oftentimes we only see our faults and we only see our failures and it's so easy to make our identity in the wrong thing. And Lord, would you raise up people to speak into our lives? We acknowledge with humility we need the body of Christ. But then, God, I pray for us. It's really hard to demand an Elizabeth. But we can choose to be an Elizabeth. We can choose to be a Mordecai. We can choose to be a Jonathan. Lord, would you open up our eyes to our brothers and sisters around us that are in confusion and, and in, in difficulty and, and in, in all kinds of circumstances. And God, could you put your words on our lips? And Lord, there are those special few that you are calling us to walk with uh, where we're, our hearts are knit and we need to stay by them and these are going to be friends for our whole life and in eternity we'll be everybody's friend all the time but there are some down here that God has got a special commitment that you need to make to and Father I pray in Jesus name that every single one in this place would have somebody and would be that to somebody else please God for your glory and for our good. Lord, we, we thank you for saving us. Now, God, we need, to, we need to make it. And so we need to keep walking this thing out. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. We're going to have our prayer teams down here. Tonight starts at 6. If you want to come, God bless you. Have a great day.